we kind of went through that. And then, you know, the big uh, wow moment for me is he said, did you know you can use your retirement dollars? And for me, this just, it's kind of when, uh, you know, the sea parted and I was like, wow, this, this is amazing. You're listening to Young Smart Money, a podcast that inspires young entrepreneurs to take their personal finances to the next level. My name is Apple Kreider, and I am a huge personal finance nerd and entrepreneur who's constantly looking for a better way. Whether it's amassing millions of credit card points, learning which parts of the tax code can work to your advantage, or just figuring out how to run your business as smart as possible, I am all about it. Join me as I sit down with some of the smartest financial planners and specialists for young entrepreneurs out there and extract the action steps you need to get the most bang for your buck from your business. Welcome back to the show. If you have been listening, tuned in for a while, you will know that the words Roth IRA, you put those two words together, I am just jazzed up already. So whenever I get the chance to talk about Roth IRAs, I'm always hopping right on in. So today we're talking about not specifically Roth IRAs, but self-directed IRAs. So Dan Krasinowski, he is a friend of mine. We met at the FinCon conference last year in D.C., and he is the executive vice president for a company called Rocket Dollar. And basically what Rocket Dollar does is they are a company for self-directed retirement accounts. So specifically, we're going to be talking about self-directed IRAs. So uh, as you guys know, an IRA, individual retirement account, it's a type of investing account that the government is going to cut you some tax breaks for uh, because they want to incentivize you to save for retirement so that they are not going to be on the hook for that so that you will be responsible for your own retirement. So within an IRA traditionally and within the IRAs that I personally have set up, I'm pretty limited in the scope of things that I can invest in. So it's really just stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs, and that's pretty much it, or I can just keep it in cash. So that's that's pretty limited in the grand scheme of things. Now, what self-directed IRAs allow you to do and what Dan's going to kind of fill us in on is how you can then use your IRA to instead of just investing in stocks, bonds, ETFs, mutual funds, whatever, which there's no problem with that. I'm, I'm, I've been doing that for a couple of years now and I'm pretty satisfied, but if you do want to invest in alternative asset classes, think like real estate or hard money lending or all of these other different options that you don't necessarily have the opportunity to invest in with a standard cookie cutter IRA, Dan's going to be talking about how you can get outside of that kind of cookie cutter mold and start taking uh, more control of your Roth IRA. Uh, he calls it checkbook control. That's kind of what it's called, but basically uh, it's as easy as writing a check you can use the money in your IRA, whether it's Roth or traditional, to invest in any number of asset classes outside of the traditional things that you're going to be offered by your Vanguard, your Schwab, your Fidelity in that kind of IRA package. So I'm super excited to dive into this. This isn't an area that I have any uh, experience in because obviously I, have, I don't have a self-directed IRA at the moment. I'm going to actually be um, moving into some more advanced retirement account options throughout this year for my business. And so I might go down the self-directed route. I might not. I'll keep you guys in the loop with what I decide there. But I'm super, I'm always jets to talk about retirement accounts. And Dan's got a ton of really valuable knowledge here. He's been doing really cool stuff with his self-directed accounts. He's got a really ton of really cool stories from clients that he's worked with as well. So I'm stoked to dive into this. I took a lot out of this conversation and I'm very confident you will as well. I tried to slow Dan down a couple times because at points, like he knows a lot about this 
this stuff so he dives in kind of deep so i didn't want to i didn't want the the vocabulary to scare anybody away so i tried to uh pull him back out a couple times just to um make things as accessible as possible so uh sit back relax and enjoy the episode all right dan welcome to young smart money how are you doing today apple great to be here my friend and uh super excited to uh speaking to your audience today. Yeah, I'm stoked to chat it up. So we're talking about something that I have a ton of interest in. I'm a huge personal finance nerd, as the audience knows, um, especially when it comes to retirement. So I'm super stoked to dive into this. Uh, before, before we do, I mean, we're going to be talking about self-directed retirement accounts, but I want to give you the opportunity because I'm always talking about retirement. Um, I know I have a younger listener base, so they're not always as receptive, but I think, I think uh, it's good to hear from different perspectives when it comes to like why thinking about retirement is actually important. So can you kind of like give your uh, two cents or kind of like how you think about retirement and talking about retirement to young people in particular? Do you have any strategies or, or, or processes that you've used for that that have been particularly effective? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I've been fortunate. A lot of folks, uh, probably some of our share connections have reached out to me for advice. So what I generally share, uh, say folks a few years out of school, just general guidance is, uh, you know, like anything, what's kind of your short-term and super long-term goal? And I purposely don't go deep into the middle. So by short-term, I mean, uh, you know, if your family, let's say you you were born, my one of my mentees at UT here in Austin, uh, his family was in real estate. He's felt it, he's touched it, he even has his realtor license in college. Uh, he's pretty handy also. So with that said, uh, I, I think, you know, for his, uh, you know, ultimate retirement, uh, I think it's going to be owning properties. Uh, now, yes, you can do this with your piggy bank checking and your retirement account. But I would say initially, uh, you know, to, if you can move in, this is probably general advice, but if you can move into a condo or anywhere to start building equity, I would strongly suggest that because most folks I imagine on the call here have some sort of side gig or by default or 1099 as a consultant as a realtor, uh, you can write off a whole lot of things and there's other depreciation benefits. So as early in your career as you can get to um, you know, zero taxes, I think it's a positive and a, a big factor of that is uh, you know, either buying real estate and doing stuff or more so just putting money into an IRA uh, or a solo 401k, whether that's self-directed or not. So you know, the one for me looking back, my saving grace, and this was a different time and place. You know, my career started 20 years ago, right before 9-11. Uh, the one thing I did, though, is I always maxed out my 401k. And you can argue that was a good or bad idea. But the benefit here was, you know, in 10 years, I had X hundred thousands of dollars in the bank that I was then able to uh, really use for multiple self-directed investments. So, yeah, I mean, as I say, there's the buckets for savings, um, for retirement. But I would say, you know, having hard physical assets in your 20s is one thing that I would um, you know, strongly think about there's many folks I know in their 30s that, you know, have that optionality to frankly not work uh, kind of a nine to five and live off of maybe not fully, but live off of some passive income. And I think that's the goal that you want to get to um, also. So, you know, with that, it's it could be a little scary, uh, you know, maybe not the most lucrative in the first year, but it's like anything if you stick to it. Uh, as I said, you have that wonderful optionality at age 30 uh, to really control your time and what you want to do going forward. Totally, totally agree. And you brought up a lot of really valuable stuff there just in terms of, I mean, the whole idea of financial independence and um, creating those passive income streams, reducing your tax liability. That's something that I'm always harping on. So 
Um, I'm glad you touched on a lot of those points. Um, I'm curious, because we're going to talk a lot about the whole, the whole self-directed stuff that you were kind of hinting at there. Um, but before we do, can you kind of fill the audience in on kind of how you got into the self-directed retirement account space? I mean, it's a pretty specific area to, to be in. So kind of walk us through the process of like, how, how did Dan get, get to this place? Yeah, no, absolutely. And, um, you know, in the spirit of the hangover and thinking of weddings, and I know, uh, you know, you, you're, <laughs> you're a smart guy and spent some time overseas. So I'll give the PG-13 version. Sometimes I just give the PG. Okay, I respect that. I'll just say it was me, a Southern gentleman, and I was wearing powder blue underwear. So, uh, you know, I'll keep it at that. But, uh, you know, not half joking, we were actually co-best men uh, in a friend's wedding. He was from North Carolina. So that was my little shout out to the powder blue, even though I'm not playing too well this year. And, uh, you know, with that, uh, you know, of course, we're talking shop and uh, he said, hey, you know, I flip houses. And I'm like, that sounds interesting. What's that? And uh, all I really heard is he said 15%. I'm like, wow. So I get 15% of my money. He's like, Absolutely. And it's, you know, first lien. I said, what's the first lien? He's like, well, if not, you own a house. I'm like, well, I like North Carolina, worst case, you know, I'll own a house. <laughs> and we kind of went through that. And then, you know, the big um, wow moment for me is he said, did you know you can use your retirement dollars? And for me, this just, it's kind of when, uh, you know, the C parted and I was like, wow, this, this is amazing. So instead of me sitting in some, you know, t year 2040 target date fund or, you know, if folks are familiar with what happened at the end of February this year, it's like, ooh, can I stomach uh, the market dropping? And this, you know, this happened to me, of course, in 08, 09, with some pretty heavy dips. Uh, you know, is this something you can stomach? And while the general market tends to go up, I mean, if you're in, you know, certain funds, like say an international or something, um, you know, sometimes a Russell, you never know what you're truly in. It may not bounce back to where you need it to. So with that, I just said, you know, it, it makes sense for me to control. Um, not just my money, but, you know, us as humans in general, I mean, if we look how life has played out, it really wasn't sending our money somewhere to a hedge fund manager and then 40 years later, hoping there was a return. I mean, everything was very tangible in your community, things you can touch, feel, collateral you can touch, feel. And I feel you're doing a lot of that uh, with self-directed accounts. So that was, you know, how I learned about it. And, um, you know, of course, I, I, I opened an account with one of the legacy providers out there and uh, started to invest Sweet. So did you just did you just kind of dive all in right away? I mean, did this guy told you like, yo, you should be investing in real estate, getting these contracts, doing some flipping. Uh, did you kind of just say, great, I'm dumping these hundreds of thousands of dollars that I've saved up over the over the decades um, into a self-directed account? Or, or what did that look like for you? Yeah, so it was a great question. I mean, it was a slow play. So, you know, no matter what you invest from whatever pool of money, my, my advice, of course, is diligence. And not saying you have to be a super expert. Uh, and of course, you can, you know, the, the call it the quote unquote market can change. Uh, you know, the person could be a bad actor. But I'd say generally speaking, uh, you know, obviously, I, I had a few days with this guy, so I got to really know him. And, uh, you know, even other things that I've invested in, I've at least have spoken to, if not flown out to meet who I was investing in or have a video call with. Uh, a lot of times it's just a gut, you know, I think relying on your gut is pretty solid. When I look back at investments that have not gone well, it's either that, you know, something wasn't right in the gut or, you know, if you, you have a four-year-old, so, you know, you call you eat too many sugar packets and you're not really thinking clearly. So, uh, mm -hmm. you know, equate yeah. that to what you want, um, you know, in your twenties. But um, yeah, I mean, basically for me, it was the 
the diligence in the person. Uh, so no, and that said, I've been winning small. I mean, I went in at $10,000. As I said, this was a new world for me. Uh, you know, but that was, that was a fair chip. And then, you know, once that paid back, it was easy for me to go to 25 and then, you know, next time around go to six figures. So, which, you know, is kind of unique, but I've seen with people uh, a lot of times the first investments. So, you know, the flip side for folks raising money out here, even your best friend might give you a very, very small amount the first time because they want to make sure you hit your KPIs and do whatever you say you're going to do over the first year, 18 months. And then, you know, they might add a zero on the next check. So it's, um, it, it's pretty wild, but no, I went in small and generally speaking, I tend to go small wherever I do my first investment. In somebody. Yeah. I think that's, that's generally pretty, I mean, that's the advice that most people aren't going to argue with. I mm-hmm. would say, um, what did, what did that look like? Cause I, I'm curious with, with a self-directed account, I was somewhat under the assumption that like, okay, uh, or just kind of walk us through like, what did that $10,000 do? Mm-hmm. Was that like a, a part of a property? Was that the down payment for something? Like what was that $10,000? Sure. Yeah. So what it was, it was part of, uh, basically a payment. So with, um, and it varies. So basically what this, uh, outfit does is they, instead of going to banks or taking out loans, uh, from say a bank traditionally or a mortgage, it's strictly hard money loan. So if a property is a hundred thousand, whether, you know, I give them a hundred thousand on the next property or, you know, I, you put in 10, I put in 10, the next eight people, it, it doesn't get to that extreme, but generally speaking, uh, yeah, he is not taking, or I should say his company is not taking money from banks. So with that, yeah, I was, you know, basically, um, usually it's just one of two, you know, I might put in 50, you put in 50, let's say an example, where I put in the full hundred. Um, so for me, what it looked like is I was probably not first lean, but I was comfortable with it because of the market comps showing that, let's just use round numbers. You know, they bought for, uh, 80, the, the values of the down the street are worth 150. They put in 20 to refurb it. And, you know, who knows what they sold it for because that's their profit. But, uh, you know, I was paid on. So let's just say that the deal went out a full year for sake of argument. Uh, I would be paid that $1,500. So the 15% times the 10 grand of interest. Uh, and it came back as an interest check in principle, uh, which was great. And the best thing, because it was in my retirement account, I did not have to pay taxes when it came, you know, tax time. So that's a pretty... Um, I'd say exciting piece about it. So that's how I made my first investment. And, you know, of course, I then moved money from my uh, old, call it, I think, Kostak, it was with Fidelity, moved more money in. So maybe the next deal I did 25K with him. Uh, and this has kind of been a copy paste throughout. And uh, yeah, they said it's worked out uh, really well. Sweet. So there's a couple of things I want to dive into there. You mentioned uh, first lean a couple of times. Can you give the audience who maybe isn't as familiar with real estate um, mm-hmm. what you mean when you say that? Yeah, basically means if stuff hits the fan, you, in this situation, the first lien holder is going to be the owner of the property. So um, let me caveat to say, I know a lot of folks might say, hey, you know, Dan, I'm 24. I put, you know, maybe I, I scraped up 10 grand in the Roth, six and 29th and six and 2020. I heard of these crowdfunding platforms. What do I do? Uh, what I would say is you're probably not going to be the first lien. So if something looks risky, uh, uh, or you don't understand it, realize if stuff hits the fan, the bank, because a lot of these times it's going to be much like think of what your parents did with their house. They bought, they had a mortgage. Uh, you know, the bank is going to get the property and you're going to be the second or third. So it's basically like standing in line. So to the extent that you're the first lien holder, 
you know, basically, once again, if stuff hits the fan, you're going to own this asset. So that's the, um, you know, the best way to think about it. Whereas, you know, once again, that's why being a hard money lender, sure, is, is risky because if uh, it's a single property, it's not a fund. Uh, you know, presumably, if you're not doing it in your backyard, you might not be as familiar with the local economics. And like everything I said, you really have to get to know the person and the kind of the amount of capital you're putting in. So I wouldn't put in your full nut on day one. But also, I think a very fair question, especially when you're looking online, there's many real estate crowdfunding platforms. Um, you know, see if somehow you're going to be in the first lien and most likely you're not. So realize you're kind of in a, you know, in this second position, you probably still will get paid off, you know, especially in current market climates, but just be more aware of that, that, you know, you will, the first lien holder is basically first in line. Totally. I think that's a, an important thing to to just go over so that if anyone does get involved in any of this, like peer to peer, hard money. Um, whatever they, they understand what to look for there. Uh, so you, you talked about hard money lending. What else uh, can you do or what else have you personally done with self-directed accounts? Like what are the other options people have available to them now that they're outside of the kind of limitations of like stocks, mutual funds, ETFs, et cetera? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, with me as I got comfortable and also was advising startups and I, I've done personal loans. I think female entrepreneurs, um, you know, are great to do loans. I think they're, first of all, they're, they're great businesswomen. They're very trustworthy. It's great returns, uh, you know, with that. So as I view, I said, you know, I'm doing a lot. And as I said, you know, usually my first investment or loan is a smaller dollar and just the administrative time started to add up. So for me, it was frustrating. So after, let's say like you, you flip houses and I give you 25 pay every quarter and you pay me and that's that, you know, it was becoming a headache for every time uh, the gentleman I referenced in North Carolina, when I wrote him a check that both he and I would be on the phone with our custo, my custodian for me just to write him a small check. So sometimes, frankly, when he's like, Hey, do you have an extra 10 K or five K or 15 to put in this deal for three months? It wasn't worth the time and hassle for either of us, which was frustrating because you're leaving money on the table. So, you know, with that, um, you know, what kind of came through and what ultimately rocket dollar became about two years ago was checkbook controlled self-directed accounts and i'll answer your question but why i say it in this order it's uh it's not a self-directed custodian which means it's probably an sdira uh it's custodian so it's like mom and dad still holding your allowance money you got to ask them for your money back again uh and if you're self-employed you're still not getting the benefit of really contributing a lot so our view at rocket dollar was to really democratize and using myself as a case study to answer your question was checkbook control, meaning I have full access to my money at all times, just like with your piggy bank checking account, uh, self-directed with the solo 401k. So anybody that even does gig economy out here, you would qualify for the solo 401k. So what I did with my checkbook control, self-directed solo 401k, and we'll probably put that in the call notes uh, or in the rocket dollar <laughs> FAQ if you want to learn more. Yeah, I continue doing the hard money loans. Uh, I also expanded it out of residential to uh, very heavy in self-storage uh, because I'm familiar with the space. That was as an equity investor, uh, multifamily, which just think apartment buildings. Uh, I did both debt and equity on that. Not as uh, much a hard money loan, but a different type of debt. And then, as I said, female entrepreneurs, some of the startups that I mentor, uh, I will do angel investments. Uh, obviously, I'm well aware of the risk going in as an angel investor, but... I actually use my Roth account 
so think of the Facebook story. Hopefully I'm not dating myself by saying Facebook here, uh, <laughs> you know, with, uh, with the crowd, but it's the seed versus tree analogy. I mean, if you were to put in, you know, $10,000 and it turns into a million, you'd much rather pay taxes on the 10,000 than the million. So that's, I think, a pretty fair sampling of, um, and other people, you know, that, that I said that comes through trust or relationships and falls and getting to know folks. Uh, another biotech company, this gentleman's already exited for over a billion dollars in his life. So trust me, you don't want me, you know, even uh, I, I think I chopped the head off the grasshopper in 10th grade bio. So I'm not the bio <laughs> or any sort of guy on that. Uh, but from an investment standpoint, obviously that's going in my Roth because sure, I, I just have a pretty good feel and, you know, from the diligence. So long answer to kind of how I got to it the mechanism I use. And then for folks here on the call, I said, even if you're starting off with like, you know, 5K, 10K, having that checkbook control is going to save you time. I also, you know, you'd say you want to go into TED crowdfunding things at a grand apiece. You can do that. And from an administrative side, it's going to be as quick and easy as using your checkbook, uh, your piggy bank account versus being stuck on the phone with some, you know, think of it like your old stodgy uncle out there just trying to explain to him what crowdfunding is. Okay, there's a lot. There's a lot I want to unpack in there. Uh, there's a lot of Please. things you mentioned that I think our listeners might be a little bit confused about. So, first off, can you just kind of reevaluate the um, or, or kind of relay out the difference between having a custodian and and, and what that even means mm -hmm. versus having checkbook control? So, I think that's something that our listeners aren't going to be super familiar with. So, just kind of laying that out at a ground level. Sure. So custodian, and you're right, this word's being used less than less, but somebody is, they, they hold your money, basically, and they ensure to the nth degree that everything you do is above board. Uh, and they, you know, might even be, they probably have their own processes, their own paperwork. So it's a very, um, I'd say, long, arduous process, cover your rear Versus on the flip side is a checkbook control where, you know, we feel people, uh, you know, as I said, even my son at four years old, over the age of probably eight, <laughs> can say, hey, here's the three things you don't have to do. Here's whatever else you can do, and then you can do them. So let me be very specific here. With the checkbook control, unlike a custodian, the laws are very simple. So let me give an analogy first. For folks familiar on the call, the health savings account where, you know, we need surgery, great. You have your health savings account, which is probably some debit card tied to a credit union that you don't know, but you need that surgery. You can do it and it's tax deferred dollars. Now you go for a manicure pedicure, you know, that's below board and <laughs> you're going to get the thing. In the, in the self-directed, whether you're with a custodial self-directed IRA or a solo 401k, there's three things you cannot do. So no life insurance, no collectibles like Air Jordan's collectible arts. And the big thing is not yourself or your linear family. So you cannot invest in your own startup. Um, you know, you cannot buy a flat and then have your parents come visit you on the weekends. Everything else is in play. So from that standpoint, if you basically just abide by those three very, I think, simple regulations, what the IRS says you cannot do, um, you can basically do anything else. So, you know, crypto, a friend's company, private loans, startup, real estate. Um, you know, I would say cannabis is still out of play. I think that'll change in the next few years, but it's a pretty simple um, guidelines that, you know, and I would just from a reference point, uh, you know, at Rocket Dollar Loan, the first, you know, X hundred million of assets, the next thousand people that sign up for an account, nobody's been in that gray area. So, you know, we also don't try to, you know, give you the wink wink in the sales and the support on our FAQ uh, 
we're very kind of upfront about what we feel you can and cannot do. So, yeah, I mean, we feel a lot of folks and just as we see, you know, I, I call the millennial Gen Z crowd. I, I think, you know, as investors, um, you guys are very astute with diligence, uh, you know, with spreading a portfolio. And then most of all, just having access to your money, not having like a financial advisor or some third party out there that's holding your money. So I think there's a different sense of maturity and everything else out there that, uh, yeah, that I kind of see. So with that said, the hypothesis that at least we put on Rock and Dollar is playing out that uh, folks would prefer the checkbook control accounts versus the custodian. Totally, totally. I think, yeah, I, I definitely see where the draw is there. I'm, I'm curious, uh, and just to kind of re relay, re relay that out, what you said, um, it was, it was a lot more open than I originally expected when I first started looking into these things, how many different things you could invest in. I, I imagine there would be a lot more red tape, but the fact that it's really just like these are the three big things you can't do. And then most other things um, is, is probably a yes. That was, that was pretty surprising to me. I'm, I'm curious though, why, why is this something that, um, since there are so, I mean, seemingly few um, restrictions mm -hmm. on like what you can and can't invest in, why is this not something that like the bigger brokerages, like your Fidelities, your Vanguards, your Charles mm -hmm. Schwab, why isn't this something that they are, are actually offering to, to their clients? Yeah, dynamite question. And, you know, to preface, it's, it's a, you know, these have been around since the 70s, at least the, the IRA, the self-directed IRA. And the fidelities of them, they've dipped their toe, but, you know, it's not as simple as you're going to go into your nine to five and just be thrown in some target date mutual fund. You know, yeah. so from that, the average... Um, you know, I would say Joe Jane America, not as much as the knowledge, they're just, you know, busy. People have their lives, their kids, their hobbies, their jobs. So uh, with that, when you just think of literally the trillions that are in the likes of a Fidelity Vanguard, it doesn't behoove them to say, you know, we're going to try to educate the populace in something slightly more complex. And there's a little more administration. And I just think, you know, I think legally these big guys will always be fine with you know, call their lawyers, but from a reputation side, you know, let's say here somebody turns around and, uh, you know, invests in a startup that goes belly up and they say, well, Fidelity, you didn't really tell me, even though, you know, in this example, the big guys would not have no legal um, liability from a reputation standpoint. They're like, you know, we're just going to stay away from that. So that's the main reason, uh, you know, why they, as I said, it, it, and also just from a, I think a generational standpoint, let's just say, you know, collectively our parents out there, they have not, um, you know, they're more of the type, or I'd say at least, especially my parents' generation, you go to work nine to five, work four years, probably even have a pension at the end. It, it's just a much different mindset of, you know, kind of the top-down mentality, letting other people control for you. And frankly, that's where a lot of the assets are, where I think as we look, you know, particularly for a lot of listeners here on the call, um, you know, if you get an inherited IRA, you're probably not going to let it sit in some S&P fund because why are you paying somebody 2% just to, you know, have it in the S&P? You're probably going to at least diversify. Maybe you keep some in the market, but to go into private assets. So that's um, tangenting away a little bit, but that's the big reason why Fidelity Vanguard, you know, they just have a relatively simple business model that they're making a boatload of money on. So, you know, why, why, why rock the boat? That that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, they're, they they seem to be doing all right so far in terms of just 
how much assets they they have mm-hmm. under management. So um, I totally totally makes a lot of sense. Uh, I, I want to dive deeper into the real estate side of things because I know you mentioned mm-hmm. one way to do that in terms of the hard money lending, but um, and, and I know you mentioned as well you're you're investing both equity and debt. So can you kind of break down a couple different ways that um, it's it's kind of possible to use a self-directed IRA to invest in real estate outside of, of hard money lending? Sure, absolutely. So, you know, I mean, the, the first and, you know, the most common is just want to make it clear within self-directed accounts, you can still invest in the public market. So you can go invest in a REIT, you can invest in a builder, a developer, uh, you can buy their debt if you're familiar with the stock market. So all of that is still um, still in play. On the more, I'd say, private side, you know, what folks in the crowd are probably most familiar with is a lot of the different crowdfunding platforms out there where, you know, as little as 500 or 1,000, you can own a piece of a building in New York City. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, you know, very common. Uh, you know, I know crowd streets for one, just throwing out one example, they're based out of Oregon and uh, they do some larger deals. So, you know, that's, there's a lot out there. Uh, Acre Trader, I think, is a real great one for, for folks on the call here if you want to own, you know, part of a parcel of land. I would say part of an almond farm. Obviously, you can't buy the whole farm, but you know, for a few thousand dollars, you can get in. So that's a pretty cool. I think that's a very sort of real example, uh, you know, on what you're seeing online. And then on the true private side, um, as I said, in terms of niche, you know, niche real estate, uh, stuff like self storage. Uh, I think mobile home parks, RV, are becoming the new sexy thing of the 2020s. Uh, you could, you know, the silver tsunami, old folks' homes, and I don't say that in kind of a rude way, but think of the resorts and everything where, where folks tend to live, uh, you know, that are in the retirement stage. All of this is in play. And, you know, by debt and equity, what I mean is if folks that are, you know, for my finance majors out there, you know, the debt gets paid before the equity. So let's just talk something I, I personally invested in uh, and once again, you know, doing my diligence, the lowest amount they had was 20000 to invest. And the A share pays 10%. So much like we said before, very similar, I'd say, to a hard money loan. Uh, but, you know, it's the debt. And so after, you know, certain people get paid, I'll get 10%, no matter how good or bad the property does. Well, I shouldn't say bad, but generally speaking, these guys have missed on a payment of 30 years. So pretty guaranteed. And then the B share is equity. So once all the debt holders get paid, let's just use round numbers. Say there's a million dollars in debt in aggregate, and there's a million in equity. And the equity after the million of debt holders get their million dollars back under 10%. So let's say 1.1 million, the equity holders get paid. And of course, uh, what's been pitched is that the equity holders would get a much greater return because once again, if the project doesn't do as well, much like the stock, you're not going to get uh, paid on the appreciation. So. I'd say the best concept is to just think of the ordering, you know, be aware of the first lien and then debt and then private debt and then equity uh, and realize, of course, from their, you know, the value back, the first lien holder is going to get the less or should get the least amount in terms of percentage. And then the private debt or secondary debt on top of that. And then finally, anybody that's an equity holder, um, that's the nice thing. It's like if the project goes gangbusters, you might get the equivalent of 20, 30, 40 percent. Uh, so I've seen that in some things that I've invested in, and that's obviously pretty attractive, particularly in a retirement account where you're not paying taxes on the capital gains. So that's uh, some of the other things that I've personally done with my portfolio. I said I'm very heavy in self-storage as an equity investor. So in these scenarios, the bank has debts, think back to that first lien, and then it's just private investors. There's no sort of call it like middle tranche in the in the middle with private debt. Uh, 
and this pays a dividend, just like the stock quarterly. So I receive, let's just use round numbers. I put in a hundred thousand, eight percent. I get two thousand dollars every quarter, which is great. And then of course, you know, we presume that these properties are going to sell for roughly twice as much as what we bought them in, you know, five or so years. So uh, it's it's pretty popular. So those are just the two examples of things that I've invested in. Okay, super super useful. Um, for the listeners that are maybe a little bit like. Uh, they don't know where to start. Like say they've only mm -hmm. ever invested in, in stocks and in ETFs and whatever. And so all of this is kind of new territory for them in terms of mm -hmm. hard money and debt and all this stuff. What are, where would you recommend they start? I mean, I know you mentioned a couple websites where um, you can kind of do crowdfunded real estate. That's a little bit more like um, a little bit more like handholding and, and kind of walking them mm -hmm. through the process. So what are, what are some good avenues you think for somebody who, who's never really, ventured into this area before in terms of, of real estate to um to get both some education and then just a little bit more structure in terms of initial investments yeah and this is a great question you know this is part of the mission of rocket dollar it's to educate and empower yeah of course we sell accounts in the back end and we'll talk on that in a moment but <clears throat> excuse me the big thing here is that uh you know we we share myself the other founders we share our portfolios, you know, not to the nth degree as we're talking on this call, but we share the types of investments because somebody might be more, um, you know, attuned to crypto and bought Bitcoin. Well, you're just using a different, you know, bucket of money, your retirement, everything else is pretty much the same. Uh, so that's just one kind of my side example. And we, we show this on rocketdollar.com on our blog. Uh, I mean, we go into deep detail. Here's how our portfolios are made. Uh, you know, secondly, we bring on the people that are raising money, the sponsors, um, you know, other true independent advisors to talk about what they've advised folks on. So on Rocket Your Dollar podcast, uh, we go through and like any podcast, pick and choose and read the show notes who you may want to go into. And then I think finally, in terms of the, you know, the technicalities of these accounts per se, as I said, our uh, FAQ, we call it a knowledge base because I think it truly is that and HubSpot voted us one of the top in the world. Uh, the knowledge base does go into detail more kind of what you could do contribution limit so that's not as much what you choose to invest but more of the mechanics which i think are also interesting so just wanted to preface those as some sort of resources and then uh yeah i mean there's just there's a lot out there so uh you know i'd say my my one um word of advice would be you know, even with real estate, everybody thinks, you know, the markets are going up forever, but, you know, read the fine print or ask the questions like, hey, am I the first lien holder or, you know, do you actually own the dirt under the property? There's some pretty good questions. I would say the one nice thing about crowdfunding now, more of the reputable sites that have been around, uh, let's say if you're investing in a business, so like a bar restaurant, not real estate, which one is extremely risky. Uh, but on some crowdfunding, the way that it's structured is you're getting paid off of the first year revenue. So even if the restaurant ultimately goes belly up in a few years, it's like, I think the Steven Spielberg analogy, he got a, a dollar up of every ticket, you know, the, the top line before anybody else got paid. That's how some of these other ones are structured in crowdfunding. So, uh, you know, I would look into it. And as I said, even with maybe even personal money, with some of these, you can go in as small as a hundred dollars, you know, maybe they're 500 bucks, you know, do five of these little crowdfunding deals or, uh, you know, for some of the lawyer types or friends with lawyer, you know, there's probably some pretty basic one page contracts if you were doing a private loan. So, you know, there's more things that I think are becoming transparent or cookie cutter if people want to do stuff on the private side. But like anything, I would just say start small, learn. Um, and, you know, if it does behoove you on the, on the retirement side, I'd say if you feel that you can have 
you know, five or especially 10,000, at least say even by the end of the year in contributions, it probably makes sense to open a self-directed uh, retirement account uh, to have that optionality to invest in what you want when you want. Sweet. I mean, that was all super valuable and great, great places for the listeners to go to check that stuff out. And I'll be sure to link up um, a lot of those resources in the show notes for them to reference. Uh, Dan, I uh, tell us tell us a bit more about uh, Rocket Dollar and where um, our listeners can both follow up with you at and um, just where the best place for them to go is uh, if they mm-hmm. are actually interested in opening up one of these accounts. Absolutely. So let's start with the good stuff first. Uh, you know, I'm from Philadelphia, so we'll say, you know, up to $100 off. And sorry, you can't see me. I usually question my Ben Franklin here. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, you know, as I joke, if you can spell it, you can get it. Um, you know, it's being close friends with Apple here. It's D. Krizanowski, K-R-Y-Z-A-N-O-W-S-K-I. So we'll obviously have that in the show notes. If, Definitely. Uh, <laughs> Definitely. If, 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 it's, if the Twitter feed permits, so it's under 140 <laughs> characters, not by too many, but uh, 12 oh characters. Gosh, but uh, yeah. You know, that'll get you up to $100 off pending your account type. And, uh, you know, from here, likewise, for folks that did want the one-on-one, just simple Dan, D-A-N at rocketdollar.com. And we probably won't talk maybe on a future show, but I would say for folks that might be raising money, uh, you know, whether it's, you know, you have a startup idea on the side, or maybe you're a little versed in real estate and you're the one that's buying and flipping houses you know, realize the service Rocket Dollar provides for you, it doesn't cost you anything. It's completely free. So folks that are raising money, uh, you know, we say, uh, you know, six figures in six minutes because we will assist you to raise more money from less people faster. Uh, we're not pitching your deals, but we're giving you proven tools that literally could get you six, you know, let's just say on a, you know, 20, 15 to 20% of your raise probably for retirement dollars. So uh, anybody on the phone that is raising money, make you aware of that. And then the final thing, of course, you know, within Rocket Dollar, some of the things we talked about here, uh, of course, the blog, the Rocket Your Dollar podcast, we bring in really, really good experts. I'd say pick and choose the shows, you know, whether it's 1031 exchange, asset protection, uh, something as simple as, you know, I'm, I'm, I accept hard money loans. You know, we, we have, I think each show really set up a lot of the great questions you had looking at our podcast list, I feel there's probably a podcast with a, a national expert on each one of those, which is, which has been really fun. Uh, and then, you know, of course the products are listed, the solo 401k. So anybody that's self-employed, I'd say even for like my realtor rock stars or, uh, you know, self-employed consultants, you know, in addition to like, think what your W2 friends do, how they defer 19,000 when they max out their 401k, you can not only do that, but you can also add another, you know, 30,000 on it. So if you have a true rock star year, say, you know, as a realtor, make, maybe you make 250K or so, you can actually salary defer up to 56,000 uh, times that by two if you're, you know, young and married. So it's a, there's a lot of powerful things I think just to at least become aware of that's listed on our page. Uh, and then finally, of course, the FAQ knowledge base uh, that's been voted one of the top out there really goes into detail. So you know, even if you're just here to learn, I'd suggest, uh, you know, go to the resource, sign up for the newsletter, uh, you know, the podcast, as I mentioned, they're, they're, they're cool stuff. It's not boring. It says, you know, it's on a part of an almond farm or, you know, part of the heartland acreage, but you can do it for a few grand. Like, that's pretty cool. So, uh, you know, that's what we offer uh, within the Rocket Dollar portal. Exactly. I mean, there's a ton of, there's a ton of valuable stuff over there. I'm personally looking um, into that solo 401k, like you were mentioning there and mm-hmm. found a lot of really good resources on the site. So 
maybe I'll have to have you back at some point to talk about those uh, once I get mine opened Absolutely. up and such. But um, yeah, Dan, I just wanted to say thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. I know I got a ton of value out of this conversation and I'm sure our listeners did as well. Uh, do you have any last closing thoughts you wanted to, to leave us with today? No, I would just say, you know, for, you know, keep on, uh, keep on doing what you're doing. I, I think it's great that, uh, you know, and I'm happy to engage in mentor mentee relationships or just for quick questions with folks. But I, I just, I, I really appreciate the mindset diligence and the fact that, you know, kind of a generationally, um, you know, you guys are really taking back control and empowering yourself. That's just super exciting for me. And I think the way the world should go. So, uh, you know, as they say, onward and upward. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, much respect, Dan. And I hope to see you next year at FinCon. Awesome, brother. Thanks so much. Well, that is going to do it for the episode here with Dan Krasinowski. I had a ton of fun learning about self-directed IRAs. I'm, I'm, I'm almost convinced. I'm almost convinced to dive on in. And we will see with these retirement accounts that I'm opening up throughout this year if I decide to go down that route or not. If you have a self-directed IRA or if you're thinking about uh, creating one, opening one up, definitely let me know. I would be very interested to hear your experiences as I continue to refine my decision-making process myself. And if you want to follow up with Dan at all, uh, all of those links that he mentioned will be in the show notes for you to peruse, check out, etc. So that is going to do it. I hope you got a ton of value from the episode. Uh, and if you are looking for any of the other resources mentioned in this show or any other episodes of the podcast, head on over to applecrater.com resources. That is kind of an aggregated spot of all of the best resources that I have found and that have been mentioned on the podcast for you to find one simple spot. So all of my top credit cards, all of the services that I use on a daily basis and all the things that have been recommended by my guests. So definitely check that out. And uh, if you got value out of the show, I would really appreciate you leaving a review on your podcast listening platform of choice. They really do uh, boost my ego, but also uh, help me figure out how to make the show as beneficial as possible for you. So hop on over there. Let me know if you are enjoying the new style of shows focused more on the personal finance side of things. I know I am. I'm a huge personal finance nerd. Maybe you're not. So let me know how you feel about it. Otherwise, have a wonderful, wonderful day, and I will see you in the next one.